Well, good morning, everyone. It's been a while since you've heard from me. I've had Natalie Borneo, uh, amazing Natalie Borneo, hosting most of our podcasts for over the last, I guess, six to eight months or so, and she's done a fabulous job. But if you're a regular listener and you tune in, you know that sometimes I like to hop back in the the seat and and connect with people I know and want to help them share their story. And that is the case today. So today I will be interviewing Jennifer Thibodeau. Now, Jennifer, I think you like to use your maiden name as well. So we'll let you speak to that. Um, I call you Thibodeau because it rolls right off my Louisiana tongue. Um, it's exciting to have that, that little bit of connection there, that, that organic connection. We'll talk about that in the show. For those of you who are not regulars uh, tuning into the show, let me tell you a bit about what we do and why. Um, this podcast resulted because I feel like so many women are not heard, right? So I started this podcast to give um, not a voice to women because we have a voice. We've just been ignored and shut down, right? So it's to amplify the voices of women and let them tell their story and, you know, get to know people in their uh, true authentic skin, right? So oftentimes we're taught, oh, it's not professional to bring your whole self to work. Well, that's malarkey. And I'm working really hard to change that. And this podcast is one small way. I'm super excited to introduce you to a relatively new friend who feels like I've known her for years and years. Um, she was introduced to me by the amazing Sheila Murphy, whom you've heard me interview twice before. Uh, Jennifer Thibodeau, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Susan, for having me. I'm a big fan of you. I'm a big fan of this podcast. So it is such a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. You bet. You bet. And once people learn more about you and like your enthusiasm is infectious, once they hear you uh, share your story, uh, they're going to be so excited that I've invited you to the show and they're going to want to know you and make sure at the end of the podcast, you remind me, I want to share that with everyone. How can they reach you? I'll put it in the blog as most of my regular followers know, but um, I also want to put it for those who just listen to the podcast and don't read the blog. I want to make sure you can connect with Jennifer. She is a hot ticket. All right, Jennifer, tell me, lady, what is your story? So where to begin? I mean, I'm going to keep this as short as possible and let you kind of unpack it. But I often joke that I am a lawyer by day and an entrepreneur by night, weekend, early morning, because that is the nature of having your own business, right? So as a lawyer, I'm a senior editor with a global legal publisher. And I've held that position now for almost five years coming up on that mark this summer. Before that, I was a partner at an Amlaw 200 firm headquartered in Newark, New Jersey. And I was there for 11 years. So it was the entirety of my time in private practice with one firm, which is somewhat unusual. But about, again, about five years ago, I decided to change gears, transition what I was doing. And it was two years after that in January of 2020 that I decided I wanted to have my own platform. So I founded JMT Speaks and you can check me out at jmtspeaks.com. And I'm a professional writer and speaker. And the inspiration for that platform, again, was the decision to leave practice. And that decision was about me identifying and embracing my authentic self. Because for so long, I thought that my life, my career, career was supposed to be one way. I had this plan. 
And it was kind of like, watch what you wish for. You might get it because I did. I became a partner. And then I realized it wasn't for me. So I wanted my own place to share my story, uh, to talk about the lessons that I've learned. And no matter what talk I give, I have a few signature ones, whether it's identifying and embracing your authentic self or overcoming the imposter syndrome, effective communication, productivity, overcoming perfectionism. I'm always talking about authenticity because I've learned that is just the key to personal and professional success, however you define it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my ears are burning. My I'm so excited. My hair on the back of my neck is standing straight up because this is my kind of conversation. And the story that you tell about your personal journey is one that I know a lot of women either have had the courage to tell or are keeping it inside and wish they could tell that same story. Most of the female lawyers I know struggle with some of the same things you mentioned, and that is why we do together, you and I, the work that we do to change those operating systems, right? So for years, we've we've tried to teach women to mimic men in order to be professional as they define professionalism and to fit in to the white male world. And I find a lot of, especially female lawyers struggling with that because they are um, not able to be themselves in the workplace. They have to be that senior most managing partner or emulate the behavior of someone they absolutely would never uh, emulate that behavior outside of the workplace. So it's not a very, um, safe space for people to be genuine and authentic, especially in the law firm, most professional services, I would say. And that's why we, you and I do the work we do. Uh, and I love that you were courageous enough to leave and to start your own thing. And I, um, I also appreciate where you currently work. I used to work there too. It's an amazing company. So I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, well, you know, what, what makes her tick, right? So what keeps you going? I mean, this is a really courageous step you took. So not just what makes you smile when you get up in the morning, but sort of what motivates you? It's a great question. And let me say, when I did the work to make the decision to leave practice, and that really required taking a long, hard, ugly look in the mirror, because you think your life's going to go one way, and then you realize, maybe this isn't a fit. It was identifying my values and what was the most important to me. I often tell the story that I, I looked back at an exercise I did during my senior seminar in college at Bucknell University. So this was 2001, 2002, 20 years ago now. I walk into this small class and the teacher has piled up on our desk these little sheets of papers and they each have a value on it. So, you know, authenticity, integrity, faith, respect, charity, so on and so forth. She leads us through this exercise. And the point is to narrow down from this stacked five, four, three, two, one, if we can get to number one, our core values and our intrinsic beliefs. And she said to us, and I'll never forget it, these might reorder as your life unfolds and you have different seasons in your life. But when you go out into the world, hold these close to you. Now, wouldn't you know, the name of that seminar was Women in the Workplace. So isn't it so fitting that I undertook that exercise then, now 20 years later, but when I was looking to leave practice, then when I was going to start JMT Speaks, because that is what takes, that's what makes me tick. When I'm having a particularly tough day, when I think, you know what, oh, it is, you know, 
the day I'm going to have to stay up until, and I'm an early riser, right? If I get up at five and I have to stay up until 11 working, that's a long day. Like, you know what? Family is important to me. And the fact that I took off the hours from five until eight to spend with my husband and my young son to do nothing but be present with them. And then that means I have to stay up a little bit later to get JMT speak stuff done. That's okay. That That is what is motivating me because I always... I always try and I hope I deliver to be myself. And I've learned that that is your moral compass and your core values. So they continue to motivate me every day. That's a great, great, um, not just answer, but way to live your life. Um, I do a lot of study around Teresa Amabile's work on intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. She's like a darling over at Harvard. And um, what I think the traditional old school dominant group doesn't get is that not just millennials, but a lot of women as well, regardless of age and stage in life, are not motivated just by the money, right? We have kids, we have families, we have other interests, we have self-care, which used to be seen as a luxury, but is now seen as you know a requirement in order to continue. Um, and through COVID, oh my gosh, we've carried the load. So I think that as more and more organizations, law firms, companies, what have you, small and large businesses, focus on intrinsic motivators, like you just said, value systems, get to know your employees, treat them with the respect you, one, should, and two, probably treat your clients, and if not, should, um, and find out what's important to them and then create a narrative that not just is, you know, it's not just words, but you walk the walk and make it a great place to be. Um, I think that's still missing. I think they're still focused on extrinsic motivators. I know a lot of lawyers who, um, you know, they were told, well, you'll make this much if you do, you know, this build this many hours. And they're like, you know what? I'd rather have that work family balance, which has so far been a myth, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) You're courageous. And I love that you mentioned you have a small child. I was going to throw that in there if you didn't, because that adds a whole nother level of complexity to to your life. Um, Good complexity, if you will. I absolutely, I remember it was all worth it. And I worked because of my desire to have freedom to be with him and to raise him in the way that I wanted. So with that said, um, let me ask you, what excites you right now? This is a great question. And honestly, the answer that comes immediately to mind is the unknown. And by that, I mean, I mean the future. And I say that because it's very out of character for me as someone who is very type A, you know, perfect, it's always had a, but I remember earlier this year when I celebrated two years of JMT Speaks, I thought to myself, you know what? It is pretty cool that when I launched this thing in January, 2020, not knowing a pandemic was knocking on our door a short time thereafter, but I had no idea in the big, right? What, what was in store for me and this business. And I got really excited about it. And if I think back to then January of 2022, you and I hadn't even met yet, right? And we became such fast friends. We we hit it off immediately. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. I could tell you about the whole Marino Thibodeau thing. Um, so that's kind of in the chapter of the unknown for me. So for the first time, I really like the fact that 
I don't have this big grand five to 10 year plan. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, admitting that on a podcast. Uh, when it comes to JMT Speaks, I'm enjoying it. I'm kind of defining success for it as it goes. So who knows? And by the way, as, as the mother of a small child, as you mentioned, I feel like the future and, and the unknown is also exciting because as he grows and develops, you know, he started T-ball the other day, which he's never seriously played before. He loved it, right? Who would have, who would have known that? So yeah. it's all these little things, big and small, like sometimes when you stop and you're in the moment and you don't have a plan, the future is, you, you don't need that crystal ball, like just see what happens. So I'm really excited by that, which is again, out of character. I have to tell you, you, you addressed it right up front. As soon as you said that, I almost <laughs> interrupted to say, what? I know you're controlling and controlled yes. and you, 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 you know, you make things happen in the order in which you want them to. So it really surprised me when you said that the unknown excites you. That's really, a, um, in my opinion, a, a a, uh, an example of spiritual maturity, right? And growth. Growth, right? growth, yeah, letting jinx, go, yes. Letting go and understanding that, um, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, I doubt it. It's growth yeah. for sure, it's, yeah. it's growth. Because when you hold on to something for so long and you live so wound up and tight, I think the only thing that happens is you either have a heart attack or you say, I gotta do something different, right? So for me, it's kind of just, now let's go with the flow and see what happens. That's awesome. I'm still a planner. You know, I still, still I, I call it uh, boundaries and guidelines, not restrictions, you know? So it's almost like holding a fish too tightly. It will slip right from your hand. You've got to just sort of balance. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you are my kind of gal. I can't wait till people hear your story of the connections that we have much, many more than just one, but it was definitely evident to me when I saw your last name. Um, so we'll talk about that when you're ready. Right now, I just want to ask you, you know, before we go to that, that, that personal story, what is something important you want people to know about you? Like the most important thing you want to get across on this podcast, because I know we'll go off on a tangent when we get to that other thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. I'd say that I practice what I preach. I'm, I'm really very serious about that. I said that I founded JMT Speaks on authenticity and I need it. So I'm not someone who's out there, you know, every Monday I post some sort of motivation, right? And I'm not out there telling people to celebrate tiny victories. And then, you know, later that day, beating myself up because I only got, you know, three out of five things done on my to-do list, right? I am very authentic. But if that did happen and I found myself giving myself a hard time, you better bet that you're going to read about it in my newsletter on Thursday morning because I then tell my subscribers, look, I was slipping. I fell into that perfectionist trap. I want you to know, like, this is, this is real. I put myself out there. And I'm vulnerable. So the things that I talk about are real experiences or things that are happening to me in the moment. And another example of me not planning as much as I as I would, I guess, if I had more time is I don't have this big social media content planner. I don't plan my newsletter in advance. I probably should. Sometimes I roughly put things down, but I never know where inspiration is going to strike. And I want it to be real and not stale. So today's Monday motivation was about my son asking me the other day at martial arts, mommy, why'd you wear your robe to martial arts? <laughs> and I wasn't wearing a robe for the record. It's like this big fluffy fleece jacket. And my motivation was about laugh at yourself today. 
you know, don't take life so seriously. Everyone around me chuckled, you know, it was a funny moment. I didn't mind, right? So I couldn't have planned that in advance. I, I try to practice what I preach and be very real all the time. You see, that is, I, this is partly why we connect so beautifully and so mm. easily, right? So that is exactly what I'm trying to do with corporate America is have people understand that vulnerability is a strength and let, let's keep it real. And when you are yourself in a position of power or not, right? When you are your authentic self, you permission others to be their authentic selves. And I, I think that's really at the core of what connected the two of us in such a magnanimous way. I mean, I meet people all the time. Uh, we don't have this kind of energy and synergy and soul sister kind of, you know, bond. Um, folks, when I yes. first met uh, Jennifer, the woman who, who introduced us, the woman who introduced us knows she is my polar opposite. Like Sheila and I couldn't be more different. We are very close. We're like sisters. She's been an advisor to me. She's picked me up in my darkest times when, um, you know, I didn't know where to go or who to ask help from. She was there even at midnight because she's on one coast and I'm on the other coast. So I would text her and she's like, yeah, I'm awake at two in the morning. And I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> you know, but she was there for me. And I can't, I mean, people who know Sheila Murphy and who know me, they're shocked that we're friends. Like she's, I'm so not conservative at all. She's pretty conservative. And she introduced me to Jennifer Marino Thibodeau. And it was one of the greatest gifts she ever gave me. And she has oh. been a gift giver to me for many years. But Jennifer, you're remarkable. You're brilliant. I love that you're a writer. We share that. I love that you're authentic. Um, we share that. I, I have always been that way and it's been frowned upon in corporate America. And now this is why I do what I do to fight so that we can bring our whole selves to work and to life and home and not have to be, you know, six different people wrapped in one woman's body, right? It's so, exhausting. Yes, it's exhausting. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of women, if they were honest with themselves and others would admit that they're exhausted, right? So let me ask you, um, are you willing to talk about your biggest challenge? I know you, you overcame it, obviously, because here you are in your ikigai, living your ikigai. Um, but what was your biggest challenge and was opening your new business how you overcame that? I would say my biggest challenge really was, as I said, watch what you wish for, you might get it. And by uh -huh. that, I mean, it was really the better part of this two decades of my life from the time I was a teenager until I was 34 years old and made partner at my firm that that was my plan. Everyone who knew me in, in high school, college and law school knew I obviously was going to be a lawyer. And then I wanted to be a partner at a law firm. And I dedicated and gave so much of myself to that. And it wasn't long after I was elevated to partner that, you know, I'm settling into my position and I realized I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. That to me was such a setback because it was terrifying to would, think, yeah. what am I, what am I going to do now? And it was realizing that, you know, just because you're good at something and I, I was objectively good at my job, I was elevated to partnership. I, I enjoyed the people I worked with and I, I did to a certain extent enjoy the work, but it was terrifying, petrifying and very saddening to realize I don't want my boss's job, meaning I don't want to now be an equity partner and be an owner at this firm or, or any firm like this practice isn't for me. 
because to get back to what you were saying, Susan, it's, it's very difficult in any law firm or legal environment to really bring your true self to work. So mm -hmm. I lost so much of myself in that plan because as women, we were not there when law firms were really established, right? We're not in the room, right? Whether it's setting the dial at 62 degrees and it's freezing in every office <laughs> to, you know, working these absurd hours because women were traditionally at home doing their full-time job there. So these institutions weren't built with us there. So, or our personalities. So for me, the lawyer who taught me everything I know about how to be a lawyer, how to be an effective writer, has a very aggressive pit bull style. You could tell that's not me, <laughs> but I would try to emulate it. And that's why I interrupted you before and said, it's exhausting to be somebody you're not. But not only is it exhausting, I found it was ineffective when I would be negotiating with opposing counsel and I'm trying to be like this pit bull and I'm thinking, you know, oh, what would Mike say? What would his third move from now be in this negotiation tactic? And it's like, I'm talking about negotiating a scheduling order. This isn't like a multi-million dollar <laughs> settlement, but I'm exhausted. Like my, my shoulders are up in my ears. I'm on the phones. I'm holding so much tension uh, because I'm trying to be this, this male type. And it wasn't yeah. until later that I realized I could be effective with my own communication style, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent. Get back to your question that really was a huge setback for me in realizing that I had all my eggs in one basket and it wasn't until I realized that I could do something else with my skill set that I that I overcame it and I left let me ask you um you called it a tangent I thought it was very valuable um you spoke <laughs> to a lot of the things that I teach around you know communication styles gendered communications um, muted group theory. Let me just say that when we live a life of persona rather than authentic person, it is exhausting and, and you do live a life of stress and your body, you know, is telling you things you're not listening, uh, you're ignoring. So I'm so happy that you uh, went through that to get where you are now, right? And got out when you did. And I know a lot of female lawyers who come to me, ask me these questions. They're on my podcast. They're suffering the same. They're not ready yet, or you know, maybe the timing's not right, or they don't have the the courage at that time that you did. So I'm glad you went off on what you called a tangent, but I thought was very valuable um, information to share with the with the uh, listeners. Let me uh, ask you really quickly: Are you willing to talk about your husband and Louisiana and yes. Marco and all the things? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Of course, of course, I am. <clears throat> I don't think Sheila knew that when she introduced us the Louisiana connection. All right. Well, so how did this happen? I can't even really recall. It was a Zoom call, much like this, and I think I asked about your last name because that is Kajan. We call it Kajan Thibodeau. It's yes. Cajun. So, yes. I'm like, where did you get that? And that's ex that's exactly what happened. And then we were on Zoom, and you kind of shifted in your chair, and I saw you were wearing the LSU oh, sweatshirt, <laughs> right? And I said, "Wait a second, did you go to LSU?" <laughs> My husband went to LSU and then I think our love affair kind of started and I told yeah. you I was going to Mardi Gras for the first time. Well, carnival, not Mardi Gras day for the first time, although Jay and I've been together for, uh, I can't do the math, is it 17 years, more than that, since 2003. So uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of awesome. what set everything off. 
I totally forgot about the LSU. Go Tigers. I know yes. I have a lot of LSU listeners. Um, uh, they know my husband went to LSU as well. A lot of people I know in journalism, in legal, all across the globe. I mean, the LSU network is huge. Um, and I know that they're not known for anything but football, but I'll tell you, their football um, has brought together a lot of good people doing a lot of good things for others, right? So I will say- yeah. Uh, Louisiana is known for its hospitality and when emergency or crisis comes they all pull together and get it done so you probably married a really great guy I haven't met him yet but I look forward <laughs> to meeting him someday yes the same and he's great and let me we're on the subject of the name here's a story that I haven't to, told you that'll make you laugh when Jay and I were dating and I used to fly down to New Orleans to visit his family at the airport, you know, in New Orleans or Kenner, right? Specifically, they'd look at my name and say, you know, Miss Marino, right? They couldn't pronounce Marino. That's hilarious. Okay. And then <laughs> when we got married and I changed my name, they'd look at my license and say, oh, Mrs. Thibodeau, welcome home. Yes. Now, <laughs> Jay, Jay will proudly tell anyone who will listen that he and I are the only Thibodeaus in the New Jersey lawyer's diary. And I don't know if that's, I think that's still the case. I feel safe saying that because in New Jersey, it is not a common name, but I am, I'm all Italian. I'm proud of my heritage. So I ended up dropping my middle name, which was Lynn and picking up Marino as my middle name. So you'll see in my emails, I always have everything spelled out. I, I really shorthand that. Should we call you Marino Thibodeau? Cause that's fine too. You know, I'm going to say no, just because I usually introduce myself as Jennifer Thibodeau. You know, when you're shaking somebody's hand, it's a lot to, <laughs> it's a lot to get out. You can see me gesturing here. It's a lot to get out. I'm good with, with either. I don't correct people if they say, uh, you know, Jen Thibodeau or anything like that. If they mispronounce, I will, I will yeah. say, but, uh, well, yes, and that's I'm just, Look, I'm sure they often do. My best friend in the whole wide world, who was an LSU football player, sadly passed away two years ago, but he was from the city of Thibodeau in Louisiana, mm -hmm. and it's spelled the same way. Yes. Um, but I, when I was putting together, by the way, folks, Jennifer is speaking at the Chicago event, June 2nd, 2022, at the Chicago Athletic Association. It's my annual Thing that I do for a giving, right? So I provide a stage and amplify the voices of remarkable women to tell their stories TED style. And this year, Jennifer is one of the speakers. And so when I introduced her to the committee, uh, people were chatting me in the chat box. How do you pronounce her name? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so funny. Now, a couple of my committee members are from Louisiana. Many people know um, um, Kim Perrette from, from Jones Walker and, and Jen Bankson, who's now in Texas, but used to live in, in Mandeville, which is right outside of New Orleans. Right. They knew, and they were laughing because in the chat, the other women all across the country were like, how do you say that? I'm never going to be able to spell that. I'm like, you can do it. You can do yeah. it. It's not hard. So um, I love it. I'm super excited that I'll get to meet you and give you big hugs in person. Yes, the same, the You're same. You're going to be amazing. Everything you talk about, um, is really not to not to say that I set the standard for what you're doing. Women who are doing what we are doing is really what needs to be done, right? That's really the key to crashing the current operating system and creating meaningful, sustainable change that eliminates bias and, and even uh, structural 
gender inequities, right? So um, I love what you're doing. You always have a platform through me, uh, through anyone I know, if you want to meet them, if you would like a connection, please don't hesitate to reach out. And folks, speaking of that, I recommend Jennifer um, Thibodeau as a coach. She do, Don't you do coaching? No, not I coaching. don't. I actually have not expanded into coaching. And it's funny you say that. I've had so many people reach out to me. So this could be an example of the future being unknown, right? And exciting. Who, who knows, right? Organically. I, yeah, organically. We'll, we'll see what happens. But no, not not right now. I'm, I'm writing and speaking. And Susan, you you need to give yourself more credit, by the way, because you are doing this work. You are paving the way. You are so philanthropic. You are a shining example of women supporting other women. I mean, that is like an understatement when it comes to you and you amplifying women's voices. What you've done for me is incredible. So thank you really from the bottom of my heart. Well, I'll tell you one last thing, folks, and then we'll say our goodbye. Well, two last things. The second to last thing is, um, I host these wine, women, and wisdom events all across the country, and companies hire me to come in, and I bring remarkable women to speak, and I, you're going to be among them, so definitely. You um, let me know but, when and where. You bet, you bet. It's such <laughs> a fun event. It's wonderful. We do an, uh, a conscious inclusion exercise, and then we enjoy hors d'oeuvres and wine, and who doesn't love that? So um, definitely on my short list for that. Sign me up. The last thing is clearly articulate how people can reach you if they want to know more about you. Well, thank you for asking. As I mentioned, my website is www.jmtspeaks. That's Jennifer Marino Thibodeau, jmtspeaks.com. They can also follow me on social media. I'm very active under my name, Jennifer Marino Thibodeau on LinkedIn. I also have a company page for JMT Speaks and you can follow me on Instagram as well. I have a presence at JMT Speaks that I'm, I'm still working on it. I'm more active on LinkedIn and I would invite anyone who is interested to please sign up for my newsletter. It drops every Thursday morning. You could do that through my website. Uh, there is a tab to stay connected with me. And I promise it is not your average newsletter. It's a lot of fun. I, again, organically talk about whatever's on my mind. And then there's usually a block about my latest read. I'm a very avid reader. Um, or uh, something that I love. It could be anything from, you know, a restaurant to a quote. So nice. that's kind of my that. passion project. Thank you. Wonderful. I, I, I think I signed up for it. I can't wait to start receiving my newsletters. Um, you mentioned that you're an avid reader. I too am. So just quickly before we say goodbye, what is a favorite book or what is a, a, a book you recommend or what are you reading now? Share with wow. us something. I'm looking at, so folks, you know, this is audio only, but Jennifer and I are right now on video and I can see her bookshelf behind her. It is loaded <laughs> with books. <laughs> it is, yes. So one of the most colorful ones you'll see is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, yeah. Like, huge. That one was just incredible for me. And um, next to it, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I absolutely loved I that book. Um, nice. Nice. But to kind of pick the Glennon thread, you asked me about a recommendation. Obviously, I always recommend Untamed, but I have been reading and actually listening to a lot of memoirs, women's memoirs. And 
One that sticks out for me that I finished last year, you might might have read Unbound by Tarana Burke. She's the founder of the Me Too movement. She is an activist and a sexual assault survivor. She's a woman of color and she just has this incredible story of resilience and it stays with me. So I think if anyone's, and I, I mentioned that to you specifically, excuse me, because I think you'd really enjoy her and her words and her work in the space that you do. So Unbound by Tarana Burke was fantastic as well. Very nice. And what a powerful loaded title of that. Yes. Book, right. Yes. Um, yeah. So that movement was, was founded right here in my neck of the woods over in Oakland. Um, and I think people who misunderstand the movement should read this book. Yes. You know, I know her story. I haven't read the book and I will. I'm going to order it today. I do a lot of travel to Hawaii and it's a long flight. So I like to listen to books on my flight. That will be mm -hmm. my next read. Uh, I'm using air quotes when I say read. <laughs> yes, I do the same. Yeah. I do the same. Yeah. Let me ask you a question before we sure. sign off then. Here's it. Here's it. Because you use air quotes. I put this out there on social media. I'm going to again soon. Do you count books that you listen to as books that you read? I no, do. I, I do. I do. <laughs> I feel like I'm oh, see? You know, <laughs> I think it's my age. It's like a stigma around reading books. It's like a shortcut. And oh, well, you're not really well read unless you're actually reading the hard copy and right? the pages. Okay. And it. But that has to change. I think I'm wrong in that. But I'm just being honest with you. You asked. No, me. I asked. I want an honest <laughs> answer. I will put out there. I count them. So if you look at my Goodreads on my shelf, I have all the memoirs that I've listened to because I've, I've absorbed the content. I can, I can talk to anyone else who's read the book. So uh, I was curious for your position. No, I think that's a fantastic question in many more ways than the obvious because it tells you one, generationally, right? Who you mm -hmm. are. Two, it also, if I'm honest with you, and I always am, even when you don't ask, I have a ton of books I haven't yet read, but they're on my shelf. Like my intentions are pure. If I did convert to Audible and, and enjoy it more than just on the flights, to Hawaii, then I would probably be able to answer your question honestly to say, yes, I've read that, I've read that, I've read that. But I have a lot more books on my shelf than I have actually read. And you can probably see mine behind me, although I have the blur. Yeah, I can make, yeah. I can make it out. Yeah. And all of, I have three different offices and all three of them have bookcases full of great heart. I like hardcover, not, not paperback, hardcover books. But I haven't read, maybe I've probably read 75% of them. So um, Audible is a great thing, folks. Um, as you grow older, like I am, and your eyes are dying like mine are, Audible is an even greater thing. So I appreciate that question. And I, I think that it, it, it makes us think about, you know, generationally, that wasn't available when I became a book lover, right? So mm -hmm. I have it, preacher of habit. But also Kindle, right? I never yes. use Kindle. I need to. I need to start using Kindle. So I read on my phone. So I mean, I've evolved a lot. Never thought I would read on a phone. Never thought I'd listen to a book. So you never know. If you try it, you might like it. Yeah, and that's what I love about you. You inspire others to do new things. You certainly motivate me. You and I are, are bonded with some shared and common goals. Um, but the way you do things is a little differently than my way. And it's good for me to learn new ways and try new things. So thank you for that. Thank you. You bet. Well, folks, you know that I'll write about Jennifer. I'll create a blog and we'll tell her life story through pictures, because I believe um, just the same case for reading books, listening to books and, and, and using Kindle. 
there are ways that people enjoy podcasts. Some listen only, others like to read about the person. So I will share her bio. I will share some um, surprises, right? And her contact info as well as the podcast itself. So tune in, wait for that. It'll be within the next two weeks. I'll get that out and I'll share it to LinkedIn. And then you, Jennifer, can share it with your network so they get to know you better. It is my honor, um, and if you're from Louisiana, you, you know I'm going to say blessing, to know you. I'm not a religious person, <laughs> but I do feel blessed to know you, Jennifer Thibodeau. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. The pleasure was all mine, Susan. Much appreciated. You bet. Bye, folks. Tune in soon.